At Be The Bridge, we believe in prioritizing mental health, and we are grateful for the ways mental wellness resources are becoming more accessible. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast is hosted by Sissy, David, Melissa, three counselors who are serving kids and their parents in Nashville, Tennessee. Episodes are released every Tuesday. In each episode of this podcast, they share some of what they're learning and the work they do with kids and their families on a daily basis. Their goal being to help parents care for their kids in life with a little more understanding, a little more practical help, and a whole lot of hope. We love being on a podcast space with another organization spreading hope. The Raising Boys and Girls podcast started about the same time we did in 2020, and they featured one of our podcast friends, Dr. Chinway Williams, on episode 24, sharing about talking to kids about race. More information can be found at RaisingBoysAndGirls.com forward slash podcast. You are listening to the Be The Bridge podcast with Latasha Morrison. Each week, Be The Bridge podcast tackles subjects related to race and culture with the goal of bringing understanding. But I'm going to do it in the spirit of love. We believe understanding can move us toward racial healing, racial equity, and racial unity. Latasha Morrison is the founder of Be The Bridge, which is an organization responding to racial brokenness and systemic injustice in our world. This podcast is an extension of our vision to make sure people are no longer conditioned by a racialized society, but grounded in truth. If you have not hit the subscribe button, please do so now. Without further ado, let's begin today's podcast. Oh, and stick around for some important information at the end. Welcome to the Be The Bridge podcast. Yes. So I'm going to, I have a special guest and this is a person that is from our community. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about who she is and I'm so excited um, for to have her on here and to learn from her today. Her name is Angela Gonzalez and she's been married to her husband Felix for 25 years. They have three daughters. Oh, I'm praying for you, Angela. <laughs> Angela worked in the healthcare industry at various positions and organizations for more than 15 years. Um, however, the last eight years, she's focused her time on co-founding and developing best practice of family support for adoptive and foster families. Angela and her husband are adoptive parents and understand the importance of high-quality trauma-informed and holistic approaches, approaches to aid children and families heal from complex developmental trauma. She knows there's no single approach that works for everyone. So her desire is to help make accessible a more integrated program for all families. She is passionate about social justice, causes with a specific focus, focus in diversity and caring for vulnerable children. She deeply cares about the importance for every community to become trauma-informed and turn creating safe and empathetic environments where each child, adult, and family can be strengthened and thrive. Now, as an adoptive parent, Angela understands the importance of becoming um, um, trauma-informed. So she has been um, certified. She's a TBRI certified practitioner. 
and she is a trauma-informed certified um, facilitator. And she, I'll let her jump into all the things that she's doing. Um, she is the executive director of Na- um, Nurture uh, Place, a mental wellness movement in Orlando, Florida. So, Angela, that was a mouthful. <laughs> it's cool. And I know some people are here and they're like, okay, what was this? What was this? Listen, you want to listen. You want to make sure that you tune in. I mean, because this is the thing. We understand that trauma is impacting not just ourselves personally, but our community and those around us. And so having people like her with expertise and helping us, giving us tools, resources, or even pointing us to tools and resources is what we all need. And so I'm so grateful that you are a part of the Be The Bridge community and family, and I'm grateful to have you on here. Welcome, Angela. Thank you so much, Latasha. I am so excited to be here and just uh, get to talk to you and share information and ideas and thoughts and stories about what goes on in our lives. So thank you so much for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, I want to jump in because we're talking to the Be The Bridge community. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, we um, there are over 2,000 groups across this country and globally. So there's this is a big family. Mm-hmm. This is a large community. And um, and we're, we're working on ways now that we can connect the community um, outside of social media to one another. Mm -hmm. So we're working on some connection points. So it's good for us to know who is in our community. Mm -hmm. And I just want to know, how did you find out about Be The Bridge? How did you start leading a local group? And um, what was that like? And, you know, because we have a lot of people who are leading or thinking about um, starting a group or some people who want to become a part of a group. Like, how did you get um, involved with Be The Bridge? So I have always been very in tune to advocacy and social justice. And uh, I was part of a church who I think we needed to bring some conversations into place about race and justice. So I started doing my research. I found Be The Bridge. I looked it over and I said, wow, this this." This is an incredible space and an incredible curriculum that we can bring in. It can start the conversations that need to be started. Um, Unfortunately, that faith community didn't allow us to to hold this space. However, there was another one, another faith community who um, at the what actually one of the ladies is co-led the group with me. Um, There were two other incredible women who co-led the group with me. And she was a pastor at the time. She opened her community and we were able to start the conversations. This was during a little bit past the 2020 events. And uh, I think just Mm -hmm. the the people needed that safe space to talk and have these conversations. whether you were a black or brown uh, person who needed to share the the things that have happened and the things that are happening and the the hurt and the the lament and the the grief that was happening, but we also had some incredible yeah. white allies who wanted to learn, who wanted to understand, and so what a mm-hmm. great opportunity for us to gather together. I think um, I'm not sure exactly how many people we had, but we had uh, close to 15 people, and it was an, a wonderful group. Um, 
it was it was three of us leading the the conversations and it was a group that really created the safe environment for us to share our deepest hurts but also to be heard and value and seen and that's what you want in a group right we want safe spaces yeah. to share our, our stories and the things that are going on within our hearts but also outside of um in our communities, whether it's a faith community or organizations in our, where we are. Yes. Thank you for sharing. I'm so, I'm so glad that you felt that um, space and I'm glad that your fit, your, your, your space felt um, safe to you because so many times we use the term brave spaces because, you know, a lot of times what's safe for me may not be safe for Mm -hmm. you, but the fact that you guys were able to find that safe space is incredible. And I love what you said. You said we went to one faith community and they weren't willing, but you went to another. So you found another place of peace, a person of peace to open the doors. Mm. And I want to encourage you guys. That's why um, I started Be The Bridge. Um, And and it's designed in a way um, that it can be led by um, people in the community. Um, You don't have to have a seminary degree or, you know, to to lead it. Um, And so I think that is, you know, what people are doing. If if the church is um, fearful and having the conversation, Mm -hmm. um, if the church is not on board, then people are able to take this in their communities, you know, in schools, in their workplace, or just find friends in your neighborhood that are interested in um, and really um, delving deep and being a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. There, you, you're you're ready for what we call discipleship because mm-hmm. this is discipleship, mm-hmm. and so um, I'm so grateful for um, that you guys did not give up mm-hmm. because a lot of times people hear there if it's rejected they're like um then what do we do um and and this is the thing like this is we are we are the body of christ yes. we are a part of the the kingdom of god yes. you know uh, we are um all ministers you know and so um when it comes to our our spiritual formation and our discipleship and growth um we have to take that into um, our own hands at sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we're, we go, I, what I say is we go with those who want to go. Yes. And so sometimes you got to go yes. in order to go. Absolutely. And so, um, so I'm grateful for the community. Yes. Thank yeah. you. Um, you know what, you know, you, you talk about the heaviness mm-hmm. and this is the thing, be the bridge. Um, was around before, you know, it was around before 2020. Um, it's gonna, it's around now. Um, you know, I told people that, you know, we are not, um, reactive. We are proactive because things are going to happen. And sometimes when people don't see the value of what you're doing, the work that you're doing, eventually they may need that very work that Mm -hmm. you're doing. And, you know, this is a, I always say that this is a, a marathon and you have people now where who have gone silent, who were, you know, all in in 2020, but one little uh, wave come mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, scare people or to make people fearful. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people um, jumped off the boat, <laughs> you know, yes. um, but then there's. Yeah, there's a lot of us to still on the boat and yes. we're rowing and we're going to continue to row. Yeah. And um, while everybody else tries to get their bearings, we are focused. Yeah. Uh, we understand um, th- the mission. Yes. 
We understand uh, what we're dealing with. Um, we are committed to this because we are committed um, to um, our faith in yes. Jesus. And so I'm just um, grateful for you. you. What kind of encouragement and support uh, did the group provide during the heaviness yes. um, that we've had over, I want to say really the past decade, but definitely over the last um Three to four yeah. years. What kind of support and encouragement did your group? Um, yeah, I think one of the biggest things that happened to Black and Brown uh, people was, and uh, and I'm talking for me. I think the other two ladies that co-led with me, they were way ahead of what where I was, um, and I was okay. learning a little bit more as a Brown woman and. Um, the events of 2020 really gave me the language to understand why mm. things were happening. And so I knew something, Some ex I have experienced some things within, you know, faith communities within our world, mm. but I didn't really understand or have the language to explain what it was, right? And so for me personally, uh, it was a space, and I love that you said brave spaces. Thank you for saying that. Yes, they mm. are brave spaces because even when people sometimes share, this is a safe space, sometimes it is not. And so we have to be very right. aware and uh, vulnerable to be able to open up what our parts for that specific space. But yes, mm -hmm. this brave space allowed us and allowed me and some other people to verbalize and to have language of the experiences that we were having within our environments. And so yeah. um, those experiences that we needed to voice and be heard and other people listening and also understanding, oh, I, I get this. So in this situation, this is what is happening and let me listen. So it just, um, I think it facilitated the practices of listening, the practices of kindness, the practices yes. of compassion, the practices of your story mm. is different than mine, but that doesn't mean that we are not both loved by God and Jesus, right? And yes. so it just facilitated yes. this brave space to start conversation, have those hard conversations. And it it grew us, all of us, uh, whether we were black or brown yeah. people or we were white folks in the group and it grew us all. Um, and from this group, we yeah. have continued to, there's a group, not all of us, but some of us continue to meet on a monthly basis and we meet over, we break bread yeah. together. I call it, we break bread because yeah. that's a sacred space for us to be able yeah. to share a meal and be with each other and talk about the things that are going on in our world. Because of course, you know, like you said, like things are changing and people kind of let things go. But this mm -hmm. work will always be there because it's the work of Jesus. The work of justice is the work of God. It's the work of what yes. we are supposed to do as we are the church, right? We're walking on this earth as the yes. church, not the actual building per se. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love what you just said. You know, this is the work of the church. This is about biblical justice. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's at the center mm -hmm. of the work that we do with Be the yes. Bridge, you know, um, as we know, a lot of the other things around us um, um, will burn, but God's justice will always prevail. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're fighting for 
that, you know, um, um, to see that manifested for everyone so that we have the flourishing of, of everyone, yeah. you know? Um, and so I, I loved, the, I love one of the things, you know, you said, like you said, you were a learner in this mm-hmm. also, you were listening because we all have different lived mm-hmm. experiences. Um, we're not a monolith and, um, we were raised in different parts of the country, different families. Uh, we also know that, you know, our country doesn't, um, teach, um, correct, um, narratives to history. Mm-hmm. And so we are, um, a lot of times victims of yes. that in the sense where we don't have context, historical context. So we don't have like a common memory. We don't have a common language. Right. Um, there's no, um, common history. Mm-hmm. And so we, w- but uh, what I've seen is once we begin to connect those dots, we give people context, mm-hmm. we see transformation of heart. And I think that's what the fear is of yeah. people and teaching truth because the truth sets mm-hmm. us free. Yes. And a lot of times that there's transformation and there's shifting that happens. There's um, shifting to uh, should be lifting up Jesus, you know, and 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 our ourselves should be decreasing. But in, a lot of times when that happens, that changes um, power mm. dominance, and um, people don't like that. So we see a lot of pushback from that. Um, now, if you're, li- it, it, you know, there's a lot of people listening mm-hmm. right now, and um, you know, we know that people. Are like kind of paralyzed right mm-hmm. now. People are silent as it relates to things that are happening. People are fearful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is how I believe that is some of the things that stifling the growth um, of, of this work. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, if you, if someone is listening yes. right now and they're thinking about starting a local group um, at their church and their community, what encouragement uh, would you give them in taking that step and to begin engaging in this conversation um, and becoming a part of a group or either starting a group? I think even, you know, as I shared that one faith community didn't want to really host that group. It's okay. It's okay to uh-huh receive a no from someone, right? There are people out there who are with us in this work. Um, There are people who are willing and wanting and desiring to have the conversations, to learn, to be in diverse groups. So don't give up. That's my, like my encouragement. Don't give up. Um, A no from one place doesn't mean a no from another. And a no from a group of people doesn't mean no from another. Just keep moving forward because the Spirit of God is at work and we don't even know where He is working at the moment, right? He's working everywhere. And He may be working in someone's heart that, that, that desires to be in a group like this with people who are different, who they want to be open to different friendships and diversity and, and listening to stories. And you may be that person that says, Hey, let's go together. Let's break bread together or just hang out together, drink coffee. And let's talk about these conversations. Yeah, we're going to we're going to pivot to your work and talk a little bit about the work that you're doing at the Nature Place. But before um, before you before we do that, I want to find out less as a uh, Latina Mm -hmm. woman like, you know, how have you found value um, in in leaning into this conversation? Wow. I think um, 
many brown people, and I'm just going to speak for myself, of course, because I, I don't want to hold everybody's up, you okay. know perspective, but I think that there's yeah. a lot, a, a big majority of, uh, or a big group of um, Latino brown people who, um, who have, like myself, we are adaptable and we want to be loved and we want to be a part of our culture. And when I'm saying culture, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm meaning American culture. And in some ways we lost our identity, right? And so mm -hmm. I think for me, I, I really adopted this narrative of I want to be accepted in these white spaces, whether it's a school when I was going to school or whether it was church when I was going to church. And therefore, I let go a lot of my heritage. I let go a lot of the things that really make me me, right? Not consciously, but unconsciously. I was letting those oh. things or, or seeing those things as not as good enough, right? Or, you know, I need yeah. to be this in order to feel like a complete person. So um, as wow. we, I started kind of, uh, this kind of pr process started before 2020, of course, for me, um, being in a, a, a white, a predominantly white faith community. And so I started kind of just asking these questions of like, okay, why do they do this? And why do they do that? And, you know, can we have more diversity and what does this mean to be diverse and they say they're diverse but the leadership is not diverse and so I'm, I'm asking questions and I'm trying to figure out myself so it was more of like I've always been a justice driven type of person but it also had to I had to do the process and go through that myself and so doing this work yeah. on my own um learning from my black friends and my black community um uh, it makes me more whole, right? Um, and it has, and right. it has helped me to process what it looks like for me to be a Latino woman in my environment, in my community, doing the work that I do, and in my faith with you know the divine, right? How does that look like with for me? How how does my relationship with God, you know, is it different or is it the same? I mean, there's so many questions and so many things, and I think it is a process that it doesn't have to end, right? Like we continue to process, we right. continue to grow, we continue to evolve. And I am in that yes. process and I love it. I love where I am. Yeah. yeah. And there's so many people that's going to help that are wrestling with the mm -hmm. same thing, you know, where there's a part of themselves that they, they have lost mm -hmm. because when we, when we talk about um, culture and language and the beauty of, how we're created, our, our, our diversity, that is of mm. God, you know, God created mm. that. And so God has always been in the business of diversity from Genesis one to revelation. You see this beautiful, um, um, uh, biblical history, this mosaic tapestry of of different cultures and, and nations and tribes that we see intertwined telling yes. this beautiful story of this redemptive savior. Yes. And I, I think, you know, I always say, you know, that there's not one um, group of people that can represent the totality mm. of who God is. It takes every nation and every tribe. Mm. And when we fight against diversity, 
We're fighting against the will of God. Yes. You know, we're fighting against the essence of who God is. And when we look at the the nature, when we look at the beauty of nature, um, it's not a monolith. No. You know, it's like it's the, the beautiful tapestry of what's in the ocean. Yes. Um, God has always been in the business mm-hmm. of creation and diversity within that creation. Creation, and that is not something to make us. Um, to bring sorrow or to make us mourn or to make us angry. That is something that we must celebrate. And so we must really reject, um, you know, what is happening in culture now to make us think that diverse diversity and community, creating communities of belonging mm-hmm. because of our differences um, is something that um, that is wrong. Mm-hmm. We have to look at scripture and see how um, God created space for all of that. Yes. And so uh, I'm so grateful for you. Um, you. Now, like you are a TBRI practitioner. <laughs> Can you tell us what uh, TBRI is yes. and why you are so passionate about helping others be trauma informed. Absolutely. TBRI is an acronym for trust based Rela- relational intervention. It is a trauma informed okay. approach to vulnerable children. However, it's an approach that we can utilize with all children, with any adult who have, has experienced complex trauma. And I say every individual working with, uh, with people needs to be a trauma-informed individual because um, mm-hmm. if we are a trauma-informed community, we can see beyond the behaviors uh, of people, be, beyond the behaviors of children, be, beyond the behaviors of teenagers, and see them more with a compassionate and empathetic heart um, and, and trauma mm-hmm. is all around us. We just don't see it. We, you know, yeah. we we may be in the grocery store buying groceries, and there's somebody that just flipped their lid, like we call it, that is having a behavior. But if we have that compassion and we are informed about what trauma and adversity does to people, we are able to see them in a right. different light. And we're asking the, a different. Instead of asking the question, uh, what was wrong with you? We ask the questions, what happened to you? And that is a more compassionate mm. way of seeing the world with yeah. more kindness. Um, and I love, I yeah. love that. I love that the work that this work, the, you know, this approach is, it's very, um, mm. we can utilize it anywhere. We can utilize it we anywhere. We can utilize it anywhere. We can utilize it anywhere. What's going on, Be The Bridge community? My name is Sean Watkins, and I'm the Director of Training and Strategy. And I have a very important announcement. I'm so excited to announce that Be The Bridge is launching our very own academy. That's right. The Be The Bridge Academy is going live. Now, you're probably wondering, what is the Academy? That's a fantastic question. The Be The Bridge Academy is our online learning platform. It's going to house all of our guides, all of our content and curriculum, every video that we've ever created, and the videos that will come in the days, weeks, months, and years in the future. All of that content is going to be housed in our Academy. Now, you're probably wondering, why should you sign up for the Academy? Well, you probably have noticed that the world has changed. 30 years ago, before the internet came out, we had teachers and guides and instructors that showed us what information we should focus on. 
But in today's generation, we have Google, we have online search engines, we have access to tremendous amounts of information, but we don't have those guides anymore to help us to understand what are the important topics to navigate or how to navigate those important topics. We want to know not just what to think, but how to think about those things. And that's where the academy comes into play. We're going to talk to you about what does it mean to be white and to navigate a racialized society. We're going to give you tips and tools if you're a person of color from the BIPOC community. We've got classes and content for pastors, for organizations, churches, communities. We walk through race, culture, faith, history team building dynamics, and of course, we have a whole lot of fun. So if you are interested in any of those things and more, log on to www.bethebridge.com. Check out the Be The Bridge Academy. How has, you know, this this, um, trauma-informed therapy, this... um, TBRI, I think we said. Yes. Um, how has um, uh, let me? How has this like helped you in this work? Like, like how have you? Because you're basically this is what you do, mm-hmm. and then you're experiencing this, and mm-hmm. then you're you're mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we have all the things that's happening in, yeah. in our world right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How is this showing up personally for you in your life? Yeah, I think the work that we all do and how God created us and our purpose and all of that, all of that is yeah. so intertwined, right? Yeah. And um, I get to do the work that I do because I am passionate about seeing families thrive. I'm passionate Mm -hmm. about children and individuals seeking healing um, and growth and that we can make a difference in our, in our world, but we can also break cycles of intergenerational, you know, trauma and adversity. And so I am, uh, I became a TBRI practitioner because we are an adoptive family and I wanted to help my child. And as I am doing this work, I am learning more and more and more and I'm growing and I'm seeing that trauma and adversity is not just for that group. Yes, of course, they've experienced trauma and adversity, Mm -hmm. but it extends beyond that. And as a minority woman, as a minority immigrant woman, I have seen it in my communities, right? We've seen it in, in, in communities. And of course, trauma and adversity, it's not just for, it's experienced by minorities only. Um, anyone can experience trauma and adversity. However, there's additional adversities when, when it comes to race, when it comes to yeah. uh, being a woman. And, you know, there's different layers, if you will, of trauma. And so um, it became really evident to me that the work that I wanted to do and the how passionate I became about becoming a trauma-informed family, it had to transpire and it has to be multiplied and helping other families become trauma-informed, helping communities become trauma-informed. So therefore, when they are working with people, uh, if you're a nonprofit and you're working with the homeless population, you understand the why and the reason why some of these things happen. And it gives us the compassion and that greater empathy that only, I I believe that this greater empathy comes from the divine, from God, from who he wants us and who he created us to be. So, yeah. yes. 
That's good. Now you've shared how important it, it is to create jobs and opportunities um, for those that um, are considered, um, you know, marginalized by the community and those who that represents uh, um, clients that you that that you see. Um you say that now that um, because of that, it requires a longer time of vetting and being able to find the right people mm-hmm. um, and and those who are supportive of providing safe, inclusive, and equitable places, yes. can, spaces. Can you talk a little bit about why it's important to create those opportunities to raise up women yeah. of color, which takes mm-hmm. time? You know, a lot of times we want a quick, fast, mm-hmm. and a hurry. Yes. Um, but why is it important to raise up women of color? and mental health care um, careers? Yes. um, The Nurture Place, when we founded the Nurture Place, uh, we created it with the purpose of making a social impact to bring mental wellness programs into our community so people can heal Mm -hmm. and grow and they can thrive. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I do believe that it has to start in-house. And my desire is that this social impact, it's also for the people that work with us, the therapists that work with us, the facilitators that work with us, the volunteers that come and do this work. And so, um, and I believe that every organization needs to be trauma-informed, right? And every organization needs to work on becoming a diverse organization and not just the people, not just the people that you hire, but Everyone, the leadership, the board, you, your elders group, if you're a church, whatever organization, we have to start from the top. I want mm-hmm. our families, our black and brown, all, all families to be able to walk into the doors of our space and be able to see a therapist who looks like them, who understands them, who understands mm-hmm. the different um, nuances of who we are and how we do things. And um, in the mental health world, only 8% of mental health providers are black. Another 8% are brown. 79 are, Lati- are, are white, 79% are white, and the rest are just other ethnicities. So we can see the gap. So when our black and brown families come into the door, the majority of the time you're going to see a white therapist, um, mm. you know, uh, being your therapist. And we're missing yeah. the point. We want to see diversity in every in every job or, you know, in doctors, in therapists, in churches, in whatever, whatever area or whatever environment you're in. Um, So that's why it's so so important for, for like me personally, like this has been my personal, that I want to empower my young women. I want to empower my young brown and black women Mm -hmm. to have the tools and the things that they need in order for them to become therapists, in order for them to do what they want, that what they feel called to do, they feel called to work in the community. Yeah, that's so good because I think, you know, a lot of times right now, you know, like a lot of when we talk about mental health and mm-hmm. therapy, that's a ta- taboo topic. And yeah. also because it depends on um, your family background. Yes. Um, it depends on, um, you know, your cultural background. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and especially when we think about the 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 medical industry and how it's been abused and then how it has 
had been plighted with mm-hmm. um, systemic injustice, you know, yes. um, racial injustice. And so there's a, a distrust um, already that you're leading within, mm-hmm. in, in, within that space. And so when we talk about, um, getting more um, brown women and men to be, to, to actually um, to pursue that path, you know, that's difficult to like. So right now where, you know, trauma is high, there mm-hmm. are so many things happening, you yes. know, between, you know, gun violence and all the things that are happening in our society. And as people are finally getting the strength to seek out help or mm-hmm. seek out, you know, if you can overcome the hurdles of how, how do you pay for it, insurance, you know, healthcare, all these different things, and then you seek it out. Yes. And then you 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 know you're trying to find someone that you feel that you can connect with or that yes. understands your trauma especially like for me someone who's in this work you're you're looking for people who understand racial trauma mm-hmm. and everybody that's not what is really being taught in and um, healthcare practices a lot of a lot of times. And mm-hmm. so um, it's hard to even find that. And so you're looking for someone that can can understand um you know, your, 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 your experiences. And so I think that's important. I was just really, um, um, reading about like, you know, just even, um, in the psychology field, you know, that's, you know, because of, um, the amount of school that it takes to, to get degrees to, in order to do this, that, that wipes out a whole group of people. And so those are things that we have to look at from upstream and not downstream. And it's like, how do we make this more equitable Mm -hmm. um, so that people can actually go into this field? And and how do we make sure that people who are currently practicing are are getting all the tools and resources that they need Mm -hmm. um, to better help um, all people and not just some people. And so I think that's uh, uh, a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. And I, you know, I, I do know that it's a lot and more people need to get into this space of thinking about all the different um, challenges that come from becoming a mental health therapist. And yeah. uh, there are much time and hours that you need to have in front of people that are unpaid and so how, yeah. how does a person that doesn't have the resources become a therapist with yeah. and surviving at the same time? Like, so we yeah. have to find ways to do this. And of course, everything requires money. Everything requires funding from people that believe in this yeah. type of work. And it requires the small organizations and nonprofits like ours and the big organizations and nonprofits like the big yeah. ones out there in, in our nation, right? We have so yeah. many, uh, but we do all have to start from this place of the social impact starts in house, like with the people yeah. that we have, how can I empower them? How can I bring the resources that they need so they can in turn turn around and become the mental health providers, psychologists, psychiatrists, all of the things yeah. to represent our populations and diverse yeah. populations, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and you do it one step at a time. I, I, I love, you know, like your work and, and the work of Be The Bridge, we, you know, it's very community focused and we are living in a world that's very individualistically focused. The Western worldview is very individualistic. Um, and, you know, but when we look at Christianity, mm-hmm. um, it's communal. You know, it's about the community. It's about um, the community of believers. How is our mental wellness connected to one another? And what Mm -hmm. does having a neighborhood model of care mean? Yeah, I think, um, like you said, and this is such a great, uh, because I talk about this all the time. Uh, Our communities, our black and brown communities are very community minded. Right. Um, Are in the West, although we live in the West and although we are part Americans, we also have this individualistic mentality. Right. But what a legacy for us to be able to receive from our ancestors that we can carry this community. And when I'm making decisions about the work that you do or the space that you that you occupy in, you know, whatever you are, you work or your faith communities, I am thinking about the community at large. When I'm making decisions, I'm thinking about my community and how am I, how is this going to impact my family? How is this going to impact our neighbors? How is this bringing healing to the entire community? Right. Mm -hmm. And it is to to me. It's so highly important to have this to to honor these views in our black and brown communities, in our minority communities. This community minded um, view of how we see the world and how we can create space for us in this environment. Yeah, yeah, and I know just speaking as one woman of color to another, <laughs> I know how difficult it is um, to lead a nonprofit organization. Yes. You know, um, yes. you know, trying to um, tap into social capital. You uh-huh. know, all all of the things when people sometimes don't look at you as a leader because of your skin color, and um, and then also to be a woman um, in a lot of Christian spaces and, um, and, and leading, uh, what, what kind of challenges have you faced? Um, um, wow. you know, in that. Yeah. I, I <laughs> mean, I, I think you and I understand like what yeah. the challenges are, but, um, speaking yeah. to our, you know, to everyone that listens to our, our group, you know, as a minority, yeah. as some immigrant, as a fem- uh-huh. female nonprofit leader, as a woman who has yeah. in an accent because I came here when I was 13 years old, like there's so right. many challenges and there's so many layers right. of challenge, but I think, um, uh, Probably one of the biggest challenge is that, and you know this, that we have to work two, three times harder than anyone else to yeah. achieve anything. Um, I have to yeah. work two to three times higher to raise funding uh, because mm-hmm. funding capital for nonprofits is mostly mm-hmm. given by white males. And so the tendency mm-hmm. is to give this funding to other white males. Um, and yep. it's just harder. It's just everything is harder yep. for us, uh, whether we're asking for funding funding for grants or we're asking funding for like we're have a building capital right now How, you know can you can you become part of us building this incredible community center of wellness for in our community it's harder for people to choose me a minority woman 
um, an immigrant woman with an accent, female, like, I mean, like all the things, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, there are many, many challenges, uh, challenges of being actually heard, you know, um, these are the problems in our community. This is how we can, we can, um, we, what we can do it, what our organization can do to solve part of these problems. Uh, but being actually heard, it's a little bit more challenging. And so, yeah. and so the, the challenges are many. However, I do want to say that alongside of those, that I know that there are amazing people out there that mm-hmm. are also supporting and that are also listening yeah. and that are also willing to hear our story, hear the work that we're doing and be able to fund us. And so uh, we just continue to do the work. We continue to re- you know, have access to some of these, the, the places that we need to have access, start keep continue knocking on the door, continue saying hello, yeah. continuing that work because it's ultimately how I see it is that it's not my work. It's the work of the community. It's the work of all of us um, being, yeah you know, having healing and, and, you know, mental health is a big part of it. Like we have to, it's the body, mind and soul thing, right? Like we, our spirit and the divine is there and, and, you know, God is nurturing our hearts and our, and, you know, our Mm -hmm. souls. And then we have physicians to do that, the other work and, you know, therapists can help us to become, you know, heal and become the the people that we were supposed to be. Right. And I think that's so important, you know, especially um, in this day and age, it's like when we, you know, as 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 philanthropists and funders, uh, you know, this is something that I think they have to have training on. So that's yes. why even the work that we do, we have a lot of business people, um, funders, practitioners uh, that are looking um, to, you know, to broaden the redemptive story, you yes. know, and be more inclusive and creating a sense of belonging, belonging. So they're um, examining the lens that they're, they're, yes. they're looking through and, and making sure that um, they're not just being shaped by societal norms, but they're looking and being intentional and strategic mm-hmm. um, um, to be, um, um, you know, inclusive, um, you know, as it relates to the, the work that's being done. So, you know, I'm with you in that. And, uh, <laughs> and you know, and I, I do feel like there, there are some people who are getting it. And mm-hmm. um, yes, you know, um, communities that I'm a part of that are having these types of conversations, you know, talking about the the imbalance that we have, you know, um, as we get ready to close, um, um, you know, when we talk about mental wellness and, um, you know, how can the church better support this? And I know, especially, you know, when we talk about our communities and some communities, it's just very normal, like, Mm -hmm. you know, to talk about therapy and all these things, you know, but I know in my community, it's like, you know, you're going to have people, you know, messing in your head or, you know, you just need to pray or you need to go to sleep or, you know, you know, like that's the answer um, for these questions. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, how can the church better support um, mental wellness, especially in, you know, the Spanish speaking communities? Yeah. Um, I think 
at large, we need to acknowledge that God, like I said earlier, God created us body, mind, and soul beings, right? We need physicians to treat our bodies. We need the divine to treat our and nurture our souls. We need mental wellness providers to help us navigate our falling world. And I believe that churches have a special place um, in a special, um, I don't want to call it authority, but if it's well used, they are able to influence this part of um, this part of uh, becoming a mental health and mental wellness um, uh, environment, safe environment, a brave environment. And right. I have, I do believe that leadership within the churches, within the faith communities, especially pastors, we need to uh, need to have a special humility to say, this is out of my scope of. Um, you know, out of my scope right now. And this type of, uh, this type of challenge that you're having, whether it's suicide or domestic violence or whatever it is, needs to be addressed by a professional. Let me refer you to that professional because I think sometimes Mm -hmm. church as churches and as church leadership, we think we have to know all the answers and that we have to give an answer. Yes. God is the answer. Of course that's the answer, but there are different, the different ways of also becoming healthy. And so if as pastors is as leadership, we can humbly say, um, this is something that we need to refer you to and send them and sending people and referring people to professionals, professional mental counselors, professional psychologists, professional psychiatrists is very, very important. Um, and it can be done, but we all have to be on the same page, right? Um, yeah. In the Spanish, uh, in the Spanish community, now our minority communities, I think the biggest challenge is that we're doing two things. We are um, try- we're providing services for our families to be able to become healthy and um, understand and grow and all of that. But we're also simultaneously training them and educating on the importance of mental health, right? Because in our communities is something that we didn't hear about. And if we heard about, it's like a negative stigma, right? Like it's just something that like, you don't go to a mental health counselor. Like what's wrong? You know what I mean? Like what's wrong with you? Yeah. But so we're doing double work. We're providing the services and we're educating um, and we're yeah. letting people know, like, no, like we are whole. Like, yes, we're our body, like body, mind and soul. And that wholeness is needs to it's what makes us who we are in, um, in yeah. and being a space that we feel heal and grow and growing. Yeah. Education is key. You know, I'm dealing, you know, with some of this, even in my own personal family, you know, there's still such a stigma. And so this is, you know, um, I'm grateful um, for people like yourself that are like in the trenches doing this. And um, your work is so needed um, and so valuable. I'm I'm better for knowing you. And I'm so glad that we were able to talk about this um, on the podcast, you know, um, and, and, and really share this with with people and maybe people, you know, can share this podcast.
podcast, mm-hmm. you know, so people can see like there are organizations of people who are yes. out here doing this. We just have to tap in to what they're doing. Um, you know, for the Nurture Place, your, um, your website envisions that uh, trauma-informed community, um, you know, uh, where we go from thinking what is wrong with you to what happened to you. Yes. Increasing empathy in the classroom, preschools and organization. Um, increasing empathy would do so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're listening um, and want to learn more about trauma-informed therapy, um, t- check out the uh, the Nurture Place. Um, um, Angela Gonzalez is doing a beautiful job mm-hmm. in Orlando. Um, she needs people to lock arms with her and, yes. um, and, and support. And so I'm so grateful um, for this work. It is needed for a, such a time as this. You, yes. I have no idea when we think about everything that's happening on the news. Yes. Think about this, all the the things that we're seeing. If we were replace that question with what happened to you, you know, like, like what happened and how have we been a part of it in Mm -hmm. some ways, you know, how has society been a part of it and how can we stop this from happening um, again? And so there are answers. There is resolution. Um, It's not an easy road. It is a tough road. Mm -hmm. It is sacrifice. It will cost us. It will cost us. But if we deeply care about people, um, if we deeply care about each other, we're willing to take make, take the chance, uh, make the sacrifice to really, um, bring about change. And, and I believe it starts with self. Um, it starts with, with self. So, um, you know, one of the things that I, I ask people, um, as we close, you know, what are some things that, you know, um, there's a lot to lament right now. There's Mm -hmm. a lot to lament. What are, what is something that you're lamenting right now? And then what is something that's bringing you hope? Oh, wow. I am lamenting the way that we are treating people. And it's like the way that um, minorities and immigrants and Mm -hmm. the different, right? How we treat others who are different than us. That I'm lamenting. Mm -hmm. And I think I will continue to lament that for for a long, long time. I am lamenting the hardened hearts. I am lamenting mm. um, what what our communities uh, go through because when we see the people and we actually share stories with people, it's hard to hate them. It's hard to hate people mm. when we are breaking bread together. It's hard to hate people mm. when we get to know that they are mothers and fathers just like we are, that they suffer, yeah. that they have health issues, that they have all these other things. So I am lamenting that. What is bringing me hope? I um, uh, What is bringing me hope right now, and I think it's been there for many years, is um, our younger generation. Our younger yeah. generation has a heart for justice that yeah. is impressive. And I am so hopeful for that. And I'm so hopeful for the many things that 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 the younger generations are able to do because they do have the empathy and they do have the compassion and they do want to serve um, uh, their communities with integrity and making justice their thing too. And so... Yeah. That's what I'm hopeful for. And, and in all of that, of course, all of that is um, the hopefulness is that 
God is the one generating this, this everything, yes. you know, the positive, the, all, all the things like the work that you do, Latasha, it's so important. And, yeah. um, because it, propels it continues to propel people who are seeking justice and so it propelled me when I went through the curriculum and I hope that it propelled many in our group to continue that work and continue those conversations so thank you for in in a way kind of linking arms with us that yeah. we are doing similar work in different yeah spaces and but yeah. similar work with the work of justice um through different venues right so yeah. thank you for yeah. having me i so appreciate it yeah thank you and i you know um this is said often but we are truly better together yes. you know and i it's, it's an honor to lock arms um with you and um and to you know, let the the community know um, about um, uh, the nurture place and um, and really, you know, praying that people seek seek you out, um, seek this workout, um, and that those of us who are listening, that you know, that we 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 remove the stigma of of therapy and, and trauma and all all the things, you know, all those layers, and we seek out the help that we need. So thank you for the work that you're doing, and thank you so much. Uh, for being on the Be The Bridge podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. And most importantly, thank you for being about being a part of the Be The Bridge community. Yes, I love it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Leslie. Thanks for listening to the Be The Bridge podcast. To find out more about the Be The Bridge organization and or to become a bridge builder in your community, go to bethebridge.com. Again, that's bethebridge.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, remember to rate and review it on this platform and share it with as many people as you possibly can. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's show was edited, recorded, and produced by Trayvon Potts at Integrated Entertainment Studios in Metro Atlanta, Georgia. The host and executive producer is Latasha Morrison. Lauren C. Brown is the senior producer. And transcribed by Sarah Knatzer. Please join us next time. This has been a Be The Bridge production.